Well, hello, YouTube Power Hour Squad. Erica here with a replay episode for you. So if you're brand new to the YouTube Power Hour podcast and you have a YouTube channel or you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel or you want to expand your business and influence online using YouTube, then this is a podcast for you. And for my returners, welcome back. This is a replay episode because I take a little bit of a break in between seasons to focus on my boot campers that are in the Zero to Influence YouTube boot camp. And for those of you that are new, that is my boot camp where I help women find clarity with their purpose on YouTube and help them discover their best selves. So they bring their best, most unique, most magnetic self to camera. So my philosophy with YouTube is we build your YouTube channel from the inside out. So if you are interested in joining the bootcamp, I am going to be running another one in 2019. Date will be released. And if you want information on that, you can head to ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp. But in the meantime, I am replaying some of the favorites for you guys so that if you're new, you can get introduced to the podcast. And if you're returning, some of these are some of the best episodes, most downloaded. So you get a chance to listen to the amazing goodness all over again. So one big ask that I asked of you guys is my big goal for 2019 is to be one of the top 10 marketing podcasts and business podcasts on iTunes. But I need your help. I know a lot of you guys love the podcast and you share it, but I need your help to get even bigger and better so that I can do more things with the podcast. So if you are on Instagram, share it in your stories, share it in your posts, tag me, tell a friend, tell Facebook groups. If you write for a blog, mention it there and help the YouTube Power Hour podcast get to the top 10 so that I can bring lots of big things for you guys. But still, I have some amazing guests that are lined up for you guys already. I'm super pumped. Going to be recording all new episodes. So hang tight for the new episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, leave a review if you haven't before. That also helps with the ranking on iTunes and helping more and more people discover this podcast. Enjoy the interview. For this episode of Beauty in the Vlog, I had the pleasure of speaking with the gorgeous and adorable Raven Elise, and she was just so sweet to talk to. She talks a lot about being a single mom on her channel and having her little baby. She was so adorable. Oh my God, I watched some of the videos with her little baby and her. They're just so cute. And she talks about she started her channel, went through school, and now she's doing YouTube full time. So it's definitely a great interview. She was just very honest and open and she had great energy. So I know you guys are going to really enjoy this. I'll give you a little bit of her bio and then we'll jump right into the interview. Raven Elise is a 23-year-old Austin, Texas-based beauty, fashion, and lifestyle content creator and single mom to a beautiful baby girl, Zaya. Raven started posting DIY hair and makeup YouTube videos for fun several years ago while she was still in high school. By the time she graduated from college in 2015 with a bachelor's degree in fashion design, she was a full-time social media influencer. Her channel has grown consistently over time and she recently reached over 500,000 YouTube subscribers and 41 million 
video views. Known for her transparency and her slightly sarcastic sense of humor, Raven often describes her life as hashtag shambles, whether it's through her YouTube channel, her blog at ravenelisetv.com, Instagram, or Snapchat. Raven's ultimate goal is to entertain, educate, and inspire others. All right, guys. Well, I hope that you enjoy this interview. Well, hello, Raven. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being on and sharing your story. So the first thing I always ask everybody that's come on to the show is what inspired you to get into this crazy world of YouTube? (laughs) Well, I've always been really interested in anything creative. I've done everything from photography, painting, fashion design, just anything. And so when I kind of was exposed to the world of filming yourself doing stuff like that, and then also being creative with the editing, it just really drew me in. And so I started off making a lot of DIY tutorials, mostly just because I would make stuff and wear it to school. And then my friends would ask me, oh, how did you make that? And I was like, oh, I'll just make a little video for you so you can watch Mm -hmm. it and learn how to make it. Were you watching YouTube before that? Just a little bit. There was maybe like one or two comedy YouTubers and maybe one or two beauty YouTubers that I watched. But back then, about seven years ago, YouTube wasn't as big as it is now. So there weren't really that many people to watch. And so when you uploaded the videos, you were just more uploading them for like your own friends or whatever. Yeah, I had no idea that like, thousands of people would be able to watch it. I mean, I guess I knew that it was possible, but again, YouTube was not how it is now. So it was mostly just like to share this link with your friend or like I had a little Tumblr blog that I would share the videos on and it might get like a hundred views, but it was really just for people that I knew or like directly spoke to. Yeah. So that was like a little while ago. You said that was about seven years ago. You're in high school. Yeah. So what happened between then and now where, you know, now full-fledged YouTube So what happened when you started like uploading just randomly to where you actually started to take it, say, maybe a little bit more seriously? For me, it was a little bit different than how it is, I feel, for some YouTubers now, just because I kind of naturally came up and grew as YouTube grew. So kind of when I first started posting videos, everyone was just posting videos for fun. Mm -hmm. No one knew that it was like ever going to become a job. No one was taking it seriously. Like it wasn't something to be taken seriously. And then slowly different things started changing with YouTube where you're able to monetize your videos and brands are reaching out to you. And these things just slowly started happening. And I was already on YouTube and they started happening to me. So when I first realized that a brand had emailed me and asked me to work together on a review for a video, I was like, wait, what is this? Like it was brand new. And so I was like, okay, this can really turn into something. And that's when I started taking it more seriously. Was that that moment, that company that they reach out and offer to pay you? No, see my first collaborations, like probably my first like big handful of collaborations, they weren't even paid. It was kind of just like in exchange for the product. Mm -hmm. And I already thought that that was so cool. Like (laughs) being a high schooler or like a freshman in college, I was like, oh, they're sending me free hair extensions. All I have to do is make this video and it's really nice. And I already thought that that was like the best of the best. So when they actually started paying, that was like a really big deal too. Yeah, no, definitely. And so now... Now, is YouTube what you do full time? Yes. Okay, so that's how you support yourself. Yes, it's my full time job. I don't have any other day job or anything like that. 
Okay. So you were in high school. You were actually uploading while you were in high school. What happened when you graduated from high school? Did you go into doing YouTube more or did you do something else or what happened after that? It was probably, I think it was, yeah, my freshman year of college. So I had already graduated high school. I've been uploading. I had not really gained that many subscribers or anything like that by the time I got to college. But Mm -hmm. when I got to college and I realized that this should be taken more seriously, I decided to actually start over with my channel. And I made a whole new channel because I didn't like my original channel name that I chose. It was really, really childish. What was the name of your original channel? (laughs) The original channel was called The Ray Baby Show. Because like Ray Baby Ray and Ray Baby was like my old username that I would use on like instant messenger and stuff back then. Okay. And of course, when I first made my YouTube channel, I didn't know what it was going to be. So I just used my same username. But then when I got to college and brands are reaching out to me, I'm like, oh, I should probably rebrand myself. So I made a whole new YouTube channel, started oh over from scratch, and that's made it Raven Elise TV, the one that I use now. And so I like designed my header and stuff like that and tried to make it all pretty and professional. Wow. So how many subscribers did you have in your old channel when you decided to give that one up? I think I had about 40 or 50,000. Really? That's like a lot. What did you just say? Like, hey, guys. Well, just to kind of ditch it. So you said like, hey, guys. So I'm going over here. Yeah, actually, I think I made two videos. I made one and I said, hey, I'm ditching this channel. Subscribe to my new channel so you don't miss out. And then like a week later, I was like, just a reminder. (laughs) I made another (laughs) video just to make sure. I was like, just in case you guys missed it, I have a new channel. I don't want you guys to be confused. So a lot of subscribers did transfer over. Not all of them because I mean it's just like old users or whatever, but I did get some that transferred over and then I just kind of started over and grew from there. So how many people do you think transferred? Like what numbers were you at when you first started your new channel? I would say probably like out of that actual 50,000 that I had, maybe 10,000 actually transferred. So it wasn't all of them like at all, like definitely just a percentage, but I mean, it ended up being okay because my channel grew organically Mm -hmm. anyway after Mm -hmm. that. So I didn't really miss it. Yeah. And then you were in school, probably busy doing other stuff. So this was during college when you decided to ditch your channel. Mm -hmm. And what were you studying in school? So I went to college for fashion design. Okay. It's very like a hands-on program, actually making garments and sewing. And I had Mm. a sewing machine in my room and stuff like that. So it definitely was like a balance between what I was doing creatively in school and then also making YouTube videos and then also having a day job because supporting myself as a college student, YouTube was not supporting me at that point at all. So I also worked retail. So I was doing a lot of different stuff at once, but I always kept YouTube as like a weekly thing. I never just ditched it completely. And I tried to be very consistent with it. And not even because I was looking at it as a business, but just because I actually liked to do it. It was my favorite thing to do when I wasn't busy with school. I would just want to make YouTube videos and edit videos and stuff. So I still did it like every week. Wow. So you were doing like one video a week? Actually, I think there was a point I was doing like three videos a week. Oh my God. While working and going to school? Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. How'd you get all that done? <laughs> it was a lot. And honestly, it was kind of like YouTube was my guilty pleasure. Yeah. So sometimes I would recording videos when I probably should have been doing homework or yeah. something like that. So there's definitely been times when like I struggled with my classes and like keeping up with my work. <laughs> it wasn't easy. And I probably could have balanced my time a little bit better looking back on it. But I mean, I graduated. So that's good. That's all that matters, right? At yeah. the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. you have that degree. So did you find that like what you were doing in school really inspired your work that you did on YouTube? Like, did you incorporate like a lot of fashion or DIY and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. In the beginning, I mostly only did DIY and it was like fashion DIY. So how to make these shorts or this top or whatever. And then I would do fashion videos, styling, you know, clothes that I got. And I really focused in on fashion. And I also made some videos just about what I was doing in school as well. So I had a couple of videos like documenting some of the projects that I was working on and the dresses that I was making and stuff like that. And just what it's like to be a fashion design student. I think my subscribers were really interested in that. I think I had a lot of subscribers who were interested in that field and studying that. So they kind of wanted to see what it was like. Yeah. So what was going through your head then during college when you're doing YouTube, loving it, you're in school, were you thinking you were gonna kind of go full force with YouTube? Or did you have an idea of doing something in fashion? Or what was kind of your end game with where you're at at that moment? I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> I honestly was so lost and confused and, and it stressed me out a lot, honestly, because I was one of those kids in college who just did not, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up fully. Like I thought I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer, but it's not like you can just wake up the next day and be a fashion designer. It kind of takes yeah, a lot of work. more of a process than that. And then, you know, I'm doing this YouTube thing, but again, it hadn't fully taken off yet. It wasn't paying the bills yet or anything like that. I was just starting starting to get a few sponsorships here and there. I was just starting to make a couple hundred dollars here and there. So I had no idea that YouTube would even be an option for a job. And then when it came to my fashion design degree, I didn't know what I wanted to do with that either. So I was kind of stuck and kind of stressed. And then basically it was just perfect timing because by the time my senior year of college rolled around and it was time for me to graduate, my YouTube channel had grown so much and the sponsorships had picked up and everything had picked up to where it was perfect timing when I graduated, I could be a full-time YouTuber. And it just kind of all fell into place naturally, I guess. Wow. That's really good timing then. Yeah. It was like a miracle. It was perfect timing because otherwise I honestly don't know <laughs> what I would have done. So you didn't actually have to get any type of job or at all when you graduated? No. You could just do YouTube? Yeah. I just went straight into being a full-time YouTuber. Wow. Good for you. How long ago was that? I graduated in 2015. So just a couple years ago. Okay. So then you're like, okay, I'm just going to do YouTube 100%. Yeah. And I just basically told myself that I was going to give it my all, really focus in on it. Like if I'm going to do this full time, then I'm going to do it like mm -hmm. full out. And there's no excuses. I have all day to devote to it. So I just really took it seriously and started researching different things on how I could improve and stuff. So yeah. So how did you change your channel once I assume you quit your retail job, you graduated from school? What did you specifically do to change kind of your channel? 
I think like first things that I did was just kind of wanting to upgrade everything, make mm. everything a little bit more professional because I had been filming all of my videos like in my college dorm room or my college apartment bathroom or just <laughs> like, you know, I didn't have a fancy setup. I had one little small camera, like a little Sony that most people use just for their vlogging camera now. Mm. And I didn't have any lighting. I had just barely gotten a ring light. So when I graduated, I was like, okay, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to make this more professional. So I got all of my lighting. I got backdrops. I got this, I got that. I got a new camera and tried to teach myself a little bit more stuff when it came to editing and Final Cut Pro and just taking everything up a notch when it came to the overall production of everything. Nice. And what about editing? Yeah, editing has kind of always been like my favorite part of it because I'm kind of a computer nerd a little mm. bit. So I like that type of stuff. And first I started off with just iMovie. It came free on my laptop. Yeah. It was pretty easy to use. And then I finally upgraded to Final Cut Pro. And then I started also using extra plugins that go with Final Cut Pro. So mm. even more effects and editing that you can do. And I watch a lot of online tutorials. I'm completely self-taught with all of my editing and stuff, but I pretty much just experiment with each new video that I'm working on and I try to improve and upgrade as I go. Especially when I do like my lookbook videos and stuff, I like to really put a lot of effort into the editing and make it unique and kind of like eye-catching. So that's always been like one of my favorite parts. Mm. So you really enjoy the editing process? Yeah, most of the time. Most of the mm -hmm. time I do. Sometimes yeah. when you've been sitting in front of your computer for six hours, you're kind of like, oh, like I need a break. Yeah. I need to rest my eyes. And also sometimes, of course, like your computer crashes or you lose all your work or the program's not working right. That can be really, really annoying. That's a nightmare. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> yeah, but most of the time it's fun. So how many subscribers were you at when you graduated from college and were supporting yourself? I want to say it was around like 200,000, 200 to 300,000. Oh, okay. So you had a good amount. So then how were you supporting yourself financially? I'm assuming it's not just from the AdSense. Were you getting sponsorships? Were you working with brands? And how were you doing that? So yeah, obviously I had the AdSense, mm -hmm. but then also I was working with a lot of brands and doing those campaigns and brand deals where I would do a lot of, like I said, hair extension wigs and stuff like that. Also yeah. makeup brands, skincare brands is a big thing, fashion brands. And since my channel is like an all-in-one where it covers a lot of different topics, I'm kind of open to a lot of different types of brands. And of course, I just see which ones I actually use in my real life already or would want to use and share with my followers and I work with them. So brand deals were definitely like the main part when I first graduated. Mm -hmm. If I would have just been relying on AdSense alone, that wouldn't really have been enough. So brand deals really, really helped a lot with that. And I definitely learned a lot with brand deals though, because some of them don't always work out <laughs> how you expected them to. And some of them are not really, I don't know, worth it in the end, but mm -hmm. I do like doing them. Can you share like some of the lessons that you learned? Definitely read your contracts. <laughs> Most of mm -hmm. the time they have you sign a contract or if they're not having you sign a contract, you should question that because contracts are important and read your contracts. Make sure that you're fully okay with what they're asking of you before you sign it because sometimes you can get into something and you're already signed in 
and you say, oh, well, I'm not really comfortable with this aspect of this brand deal. And it's like, well, too late. You already signed the contract. (laughs) Yeah. So did that happen to you? I'm assuming. Yeah, that has happened to me before where they're just asking for one certain detail of the video. They want to really control something about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really fit my brand personally. That doesn't really fit how I like to do my videos. And they're like, well, this is what we require. And then I'm kind of Mm -hmm. like, you already signed the contract. So you're kind of stuck. Yeah. So then what happened with that? Like, so you still did it. And did you feel like, like my viewers are going to hate me for this? Or like what happened as a result? Yeah. It just gave me a horrible feeling. I was like, I don't want to post this video. I'm not proud of this video. I was scared to like read the comments after I posted it. But of course, like as with most things, other people don't notice small Mm -hmm. details. Like you notice it yourself. So I feel like other people didn't really even notice it that much. And they didn't really even complain. So it didn't turn out to be Mm -hmm. that big of a deal, but just me personally and like how I like to do things bothered me, but it's just a learning experience. I had to post it and keep going. I mean, I still got paid for the collaboration Mm -hmm. and it was still a video on my channel that got views. But moving forward, I was like, okay, I definitely need to make sure that I read everything and really know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. And so at the time, were you working with a manager or network or anything? No, I've actually never had a outside manager or I've never been with a network or an MCN ever. Oh, wow. Wow. So you've handled all of your own business deals and sponsorships. Yeah. Up until just recently, after I had my daughter, my mom Mm -hmm. stepped in to help me with some of the manager duties and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So now my mom does a lot of the correspondence and going through emails. And if anybody is giving me any trouble, she can go and (laughs) deal with it for me. But up until just this past year, I was doing everything myself, even when I was like, a student didn't know anything about contracts or anything. I was having to try to reply to emails and be all professional and act like I know what I'm talking about. But I was just kind of making it up as I went along. I think because I get a lot of people because I work with a lot of influencers, people are wanting assistance or need my help and all that. And I have a Facebook group and people are always posting questions and comments. And a lot of people I find are really focused on getting a manager or getting an MCM when they're, you know, it's small, mm-hmm. like under 50,000 subscribers or whatever. And I think the way that you went about doing it, I mean, it's great for you that the brand deals came, that you had people reaching out to you. But I think you learn so much by taking on that management side, especially when you're not hugely big, where you can like really make some major Mm -hmm. mistakes. But you do learn the business side of things. And I think it's naive to just hand everything off, especially Mm -hmm. if you've never had that experience and let somebody else do it without just taking it on yourself a little bit, because you then you really understand how they work, what they're looking for. And I think it's just really valuable in business and in life. Yeah, it definitely, it taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just kind of life lessons, business lessons in general, not even necessarily just specifically for YouTube contracts, but just mm-hmm. running a business in general, being professional, you know, how to speak to people, how to negotiate. I had to learn all that stuff from scratch myself and just through trial and error and like real life experience, which I feel like always real life experience is better than reading mm-hmm. anything in a book. And especially when you have a small channel, sometimes you can get taken advantage of when other people are trying to handle everything for you and they're telling you 
oh yeah, it'll be fine. I'm just going to do this and that. Like, you don't know what they're really doing behind the scenes. I have heard some horror stories of people who have gotten taken advantage of by managers and stuff like that, which usually hopefully is not the case. But I actually really like not being managed by any big company or anything like that, not being held to what they expect. I can really do my own thing. Everything is up to me. Like, I truly feel like I am my own boss. And that's what I like about it. It definitely gets hard and it's a lot of work to put all on one person. But if you can handle it, I feel like it's worth it. I agree. hundred percent agree with you. And at one point, like you said, you had your daughter, so you wanted some extra help and it's great that you have family mm-hmm. that can help you do it. At some point, I know a lot of people that get to a certain size where they're getting, Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many emails you get a day, but they're getting you know, dozens and dozens of emails in a day and they just need someone to shift through them and just see what's legit and what's not. Yeah. I'm lucky that my mom has actually experience in this field. She's been a digital assistant before for oh, other people and stuff. Great. So she, she's not only just my mom, but she actually has experience. So it's just very lucky that I'm able to hire her to do it rather than anyone else. But um, if I didn't have her, I think at this point I would have to hire someone else because like you said, it's all about size and quantity. Once you get up to a certain mm-hmm. point, you just really like physically can't do it yourself. Can't handle it. Yeah. So, and do everything else. Yeah. So you're, I feel once you get to that point where you feel like you're being, you're spending all your time on emails and correspondence and stuff, that's the time you should be spending being creative and making your videos mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's when you should think about hiring someone to help you out. Definitely at some point you're going to have to do that. But while your channel is still small and while you can still handle it, I would say just do it yourself. That also, it means that you keep all the money in your own pocket <laughs> instead yeah. of somebody else taking a percentage. Yeah. Did you ever ask your mom for advice beforehand, before you kind of hired her on as like your main person since she was in the industry? Did you go to her sometimes and ask her for advice? Yeah. Earlier on, my parents didn't really know much about YouTube or being a YouTuber in general. They kind of thought, okay, yeah, she makes these videos. That's cool. It's a fun hobby. Oh, and these brands are reaching out to her. They're sending her free stuff. That's cool. But they didn't really know. And I didn't even know how serious it could be. Yeah. Most people didn't even know. Yeah. But there was a couple of times when I got my first few contracts and stuff, you know, I would ask my mom like, oh, what do you think about this? Should I sign this? what does this mean? That would probably mm-hmm. be like my biggest question. Be like, what does this word even mean in yeah. this contract? And, you know, she would help me. But most of the time, like she didn't even know about most of the emails that I was getting or anything. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, but it's a great opportunity. The fact that you were getting brands reaching out and wanting to work with you and all that. So that's really awesome. So one of the questions I always ask people is, Was there ever a video, a collaboration, a viral video or anything that was kind of like a tipping point for your channel where something happened and then it kind of just threw your channel to the next level? I would say I had kind of two moments like that earlier Mm -hmm. on when it was kind of more when I wasn't taking YouTube as serious. My first experience with something kind of going viral was one of these DIY videos that I made. It was like how to turn a big baggy t-shirt into a dress. Okay. (laughs) And it was like the silliest little video. I didn't think anything of it. It was just a quick little DIY, like however long, three minutes long. I uploaded it and I come back later and it has like a million views. (laughs) Like later, how much later? 
I don't even remember. It's still kind of stuck at a million right now. So it hasn't okay. just like taken off, but just kind of in that moment, it took off pretty fast and it did get up to a million. Oh, wow. And most of my other videos would have like a thousand views. That's crazy. <laughs> so it was like a huge difference. And I was like, what? This is what crazy. I don't know how people found this video or why it became so popular. I guess it was just something that people were searching at the time. They wanted to know how to turn their t-shirt into a dress. But that was my first moment of realizing just how many people might actually come across your video and the possibilities of mm-hmm. YouTube and how big this could really be. And then of course the comments are going crazy. There's oh like thousands God. of comments of all these random people who have never commented on any of my other videos before. And then also that's when I'm getting hate comments on my t-shirt video. It exposed me to that. So that was like just my first moment of like realizing, okay, this is how it can be sometimes. How many subscribers were you at at that point? I was probably only at like maybe, I don't even know, less than 20,000. And that was your new channel? No, that was on my old channel was the thing. That's why it was crazy because this is on my old channel where I wasn't even trying and I didn't Mm -hmm. take it seriously at all. And all of a sudden that one video just kind of blew up. And I had like a few other DIY videos that kind of just randomly got a bunch of views as well. And I just think that it was the timing back then, like Mm -hmm. those types of Mm -hmm. DIY projects were really, really popular and not everybody was doing it. Not that many people were doing them. Yeah. So it was like, at the time, my video for like a t-shirt dress was like one of the only videos on YouTube for that topic. So Mm. you can't do that anymore these days because (laughs) everyone's trying to do the same thing. So it's harder to have that type of just organic exposure, I feel like. But back then it was like, you could have a video just randomly go viral. Wow. And how many subscribers did you get from that? That was probably how my channel actually reached like 50,000. 50. And then like I started my new channel. And then on my new channel, the more viral video that I had was my video about my acne. It was my first video that I posted about my acne and I completely showed my bare skin and everything. And like, I was struggling with really, really severe acne. And so it was kind of shocking again, back then a few years ago, people weren't really posting that type of video. So it was a little bit more unique for me to get on camera with no makeup and say, this is my acne. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm trying to use, blah, blah, blah. And I just got a lot of support from that video of people just saying, oh, this is awesome that you're willing to share your imperfections on camera and you're willing to try to help other people who struggle with this same problem. And so that video got a lot of views and like a really good response as well. And how many subscribers were you at when you had that video? That was when I first started my new channel. So I was probably just had gotten maybe those 10,000 that came from my old channel and then maybe Mm -hmm. 10,000 more. So maybe like 20,000 subscribers at that point when I was first starting my new channel. And definitely it bumped me up like another 10,000 subscribers or something like that. And then it kept people interested in my channel is what I noticed because Mm. acne is like an ongoing thing. They want to see update videos. They want to hear, okay, well, are you still using that? Does it still work? Blah, blah, blah. So they actually like stay subscribed and they continue watching my future videos because they want to see the improvement. So I felt like that actually brought in like genuine subscribers, not just people who are just there for that one video. Yeah. And I think sometimes that happens a lot with viral videos is that a video will go viral 
and people get a bunch of subscribers, but then those subscribers aren't really like really good subscribers. Like they're not watching all your mm-hmm. videos. They're not staying engaged. And I've heard that about viral videos. Yeah. Cause sometimes I feel like with viral videos, it'll be like the one video on your channel. That's just random. Like for mm-hmm. example, if I were to do the spicy ramen noodle challenge, <laughs> then maybe yeah. that video goes viral. Cause it's so crazy and it's so funny, but then people subscribe to my channel and they say, wait, she does makeup and hair. I don't care about makeup and hair. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't match with their first impression. But my acne video was actually a genuine, realistic first impression. So it kind of helped with that engagement. Yeah, I had another guest on the show and she was actually my first guest, Melanie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And she's an Irish YouTuber. And for her, what took her channel like over the top. And I think she grew to about a hundred thousand in like the first, I don't know, eight months or something, you know, she got up to a hundred thousand. She said for her, it was an acne video. And she said there was something about that acne video where you're getting really personal and raw and Mm -hmm. showing all that. And then people wanted the same thing that you said, they were like invested in you and your acne journey and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it seems to be something, I don't know if today, if you do an acne video, not you specifically, but if people are, Oh, I'll do an acne video. I don't know if it gets the same kind of response. There's just so many people doing videos. Yeah. At this point, it's one of those things where it's been done before. Yeah. So it'll probably still get a decent response, but maybe not viral. Exactly. But now you'd probably have to do try to think of something a little bit more unique, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And so was there anything else? Because that sounds like that was like the start of your new channel. Yeah. And you're at a half a million subscribers now. Was there anything else that contributed to the number that you're at now? If I had to say something else that really gained subscribers and helped with engagement would be when I started doing like daily vlogging, I had a little, Mm. well, not a little moment. It's about, I mean, I guess about a year's worth of time that I decided I was going to vlog my daily life. I hadn't really done that before. I mostly just sat down in front of my table, did makeup, did hair, and that's done. But I Mm. wanted to show my daily life. What do I do from when I wake up and go to sleep? And I had seen, of course, all these other daily vloggers doing that and they upload every single day, just literally just showing what they do day to day. And I was kind of like, wow, people actually watch that. (laughs) But, you know, it was interesting. And I found myself being interested in them. And I was like, okay, I can try this. So what I did was I recorded my daily life throughout the entire week. And then I would compile it into one video for every Sunday. So I posted weekly Mm -hmm. and it was literally just that very simple. It wasn't anything crazy or planned, but people loved that series on my channel. It was my most viewed video every week. I would post my beauty videos on Monday and Wednesday. Okay. Then maybe they would get 30,000 views. And then I would post my weekly vlog, boom, a hundred thousand views first day. Wow! Like everyone loved those videos the best. And they were like, Oh, I'm so glad you started this series. Like, I love these videos. Can't wait till you post a new one. And I got a bunch of subscribers and it was a really good thing for my channel. And it was really fun at first, but after a while, I think I did maybe like 40 or 50 episodes of it. So I did it for a while, but it was getting into when I was pregnant and I actually did it all the way through my pregnancy as well. But then once I was like, okay, I'm having my daughter now and stuff like that, I was just like, ah, I don't really want to have my camera in my face all day, every day. Like it's starting to kind of take a toll on me and it's a lot of filming and it's a lot of editing and it's a lot of just putting your life out there, which can just take a toll on you after a while. I think after a while you kind of just want some privacy and you want to take a breather from social media and just kind of fall back a little bit and just get more into the beauty and fashion stuff. So that's what I've been doing now. And I just kind of 
post a little vlog like that just randomly every once in a while, just because people still request it so, so much. So I'll do one like randomly. But when I was actually doing the series every week, people really went crazy over that. Wow, that's good. So how long were you doing the series for, you said? I started before I even knew I was pregnant and I went all the way through my whole pregnancy. So it was like a year. I was going to ask you that. I was like, did it coincide with you and having the baby and that whole thing? Because people find that really interesting. Yeah, that too. Even when I was vlogging through my pregnancy as well. So of course they were interested in that. But then I was also doing side videos during the week. Like, oh, here's just a video of the nursery tour. Or mm. here's just a video of my pregnancy update, how I'm feeling at six months pregnant. I was doing pregnancy related videos and those did really well as well. So I think just any type of like real life lifestyle type content, like people struggle with acne, people are pregnant and they're freaking out. They want to know what to expect, like anything like that, where people can feel like they relate to you with just basic real life stuff. It always does really well. Well, I was going to ask you that too, because one of the things that when I've spoken to different influencers that I've heard is that pregnancy and children, if you can like document that and show that journey, that a lot of people have seen that their channels end up getting a lot more views and it's exposed to a bigger audience. And it actually becomes like a huge bump for their channel. Did you find that with you when you had your little girl? Yeah, definitely. Also, another thing that's cool about it is it opens you up to a whole nother other realm, like a whole nother lifestyle topic, because now mm-hmm. it's not just hair, makeup and fashion, but it's also mommy stuff, stuff that's specifically for mommy on the go or maternity fashion or baby clothes, yeah. baby fashion, baby skincare products. So it's like letting you into all of these other markets, which can help with the brand deals and help with having um, variety on your channel and different types of videos that you're able to do rather than just kind of the same old thing that you've been doing. So I definitely saw a change with that. Yeah, exactly. You get more opportunities from brands just because there's so much Mm -hmm. that comes with having a baby. Yeah. Like even before my daughter was even born, I was already getting brand deals because some brand reached out about a diaper bag and I did a what's in my diaper bag video. Mm -hmm. And then another brand reached out and said, oh, we'd love to furnish her nursery and we'll send you the furniture. And then we did that. And so it's just like, I was thinking, well, when I have my daughter, I'm going to have to take a breather from YouTube. Mm-hmm. I might have to not post as often and my YouTube channel might fade out a little bit, but actually it was the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Everything really kind of like sparked and grew even more. Wow. That's great. And did you have any reservations about having your little girl on YouTube or like kind of exposing her at all? Not really. I mean, I always kind of said, like, people ask me, like, are you going to show her on Mm -hmm. camera? Are you going to post pictures of her? Are you going to keep it private? And I always kind of said, like, I don't see any reason why I should not show her. I've never felt that way, but I guess I'll just kind of see how I feel when the time comes. Mm -hmm. And of course, when she was born, I was like, yep, I'm posting her everywhere. (laughs) This is my daughter. I'm so proud. You guys are going to see my daughter. And like, I'm that mom who's just like doing little random photo shoots Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day just so I can like have cute photos of her. So, I'm very like obsessive like that. And I just so cute. She's so cute. I want to show her off. So yeah, I think every mom, when they first have like their first little, like I did that, I did like random little photo shoots. I'm like, oh my God, you're so cute. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. And that's cool. Cause I mean, for you, it makes sense because YouTube is your life. So this is your Mm -hmm. career. This is what you do. You support yourself. You're a single mom, right? Mm -hmm. So you completely support yourself with YouTube. And you have a baby. That's really incredible. So how are you able to do all of that? 
I have to give a lot of credit to my mom. Like I said, my mom helps me with the business side of things of being my manager. She also helps me with my daughter as well. Oh. She's a really great grandma. And that's huge. Everything is just with me is everything like perfect timing. Like a lot of things just have to do with timing because with my mom, she actually was able to get like her job was part time when I first had my daughter. Like she got this new part time job, which was like really, really flexible hours. And it mm. just so happened that it was like, basically next door to where I lived. Oh my gosh. So it was just like the perfect coincidence that my mom, if she did have to work, she's literally next door. So she could come over at any time, but she also had very flexible hours. So she could come and help me if I needed anything. She also had this experience with digital Mm -hmm. manager and stuff like that. So she helps me a lot just when it comes to keeping everything running smooth in my life in general, honestly. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, grandmas are the best. Yeah. And my mom's here watching my little one while I do this interview. So yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. Grandmas are the best. <laughs> okay. So the other question that I always ask too is what are you struggling with or have you struggled with, with your YouTube channel? I think for me, like I've been on YouTube for like seven years. Like I feel like I've been on YouTube since YouTube's beginning and I have half a million subscribers, which is awesome, which is like, I can't even imagine half a million people. Like (laughs) that's a crazy amount of people just even say the word half a million, but you see other YouTubers and they have a million, two million, eight million subscribers. And they've only been on YouTube for half as long as I have. And I think although my growth has been very good, it's been a little bit slow if you compare it to other people. And I think the difference between me and them might just be that I don't tend to hop on any trends or challenges or viral topics or anything like that, that kind of give you those boosts. I really am kind of stubborn when it comes to stuff like that. And I just want to do my own thing when I want to do it. So I don't really care if I'm talking about the hot topic or the newest product or doing the latest tag or challenge. I just do the video I want to do that week. And I think that's kind of been my challenge is understanding that this is the internet. You kind of have to be timely with certain things. You have to be a little bit trendy if you want to keep up and just thinking of content that's not just content for myself. Like my content is basically stuff that I would want to watch and I'm a little bit selfish with it. So I think I need to, I've always struggled with just kind of breaking out of that and putting myself out there to where more people can find me and maybe I'll be on the trending page or something like that. But I just don't really focus in on that stuff too much. Yeah. So you're basically like wanting to do videos that you want to do and not being like super strategic about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine too. Yeah. And I mean, it works to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. I just think that definitely I see other YouTubers and I can definitely tell that they're being very, very strategic. Mm -hmm. And even just little things about like what words they put in their tags and like just more behind the scenes stuff too, where they're making sure that this video is tagged with these keywords and this and that. It has this link in this bio and blah, blah, blah. And making cross promoting, like always having an Instagram post to promote your YouTube channel and just Mm -hmm. always making sure you say in the beginning, to subscribe to your channel and just like little things like that, that are just like very 
strategic ways of going about it to make sure that your engagement is good, make sure that you're experiencing the most amount of growth. I know a lot of people, they even say, well, I don't make any videos longer than eight minutes because Mm -hmm. that's like the golden number of Mm -hmm. minutes for a YouTube video. And they follow all those rules very strictly. And a lot of times it works and you do get Mm -hmm. more subscribers, you do get more views. But me, I'm like, well, I have 35 minutes worth of things I want to say. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make a 35 minute long video. So it's a happy medium, I think, that Mm -hmm. I could probably work on. Yeah. I mean, have you ever tried doing any of that stuff and you're just like, ugh, yes. my creativity is stalled and I get stifled and yeah. I just... That's pretty much how it feels. I'm kind of like, man, this isn't me. You know, this isn't what I want to do naturally. So it feels kind of weird being so strategic because YouTube started off as such just a hobby for me. Like nothing was strategic about it whatsoever. So now trying to look at it from a business sense and trying to be strategic, it just kind of feels weird because I'm like, this isn't what YouTube means to me, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. I was almost going to say that it's like, you're part of the crop of people that started YouTube because you genuinely had an interest in it. You did not see the glitz, the glam, the fame, all the stuff that comes along with being a YouTube influencer now. And a lot of people jumped into it like the last year or two, Mm -hmm. it's three years and saying, wow, like, look at what these people are achieving. They look like they have amazing lives and I want that. I want that. So I'm going to do this, this, and this. Like you went into it very on like a innocent kind of creative, like, oh, I just want to make videos. And so I can imagine that like that's who you are as a person. So to change it, it feels probably very inauthentic. Yeah. So I tried it. Like I said, I mean, I guess there's certain things that I have to do. I mean, it is my full-time job. So there are certain Mm -hmm. things that I definitely take more seriously and that I have to do. But overall, I kind of just still try to keep it very chill, very natural, very authentic. Just do what I would normally do as if I was still in high school, just making videos in my bedroom or in my dorm room or whatever, because that's how I started. And that's how I like it to be. So I wouldn't Mm want to change that. And I get a lot of people ask me questions like, well, I've been making videos for the past three months and I haven't really seen that much growth. And I kind of like, it's annoying because I don't feel like making videos anymore. And I'm like, well, (laughs) it doesn't sound like you're that passionate about it. If the only reason you want to make the videos is to get the subscribers and get the views, which I know that's a big part of it, but you have to also just like to do it just for fun too, and not worry so much about that other stuff. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very, very true. You have to be passionate about it. And plus, because it's so much work, like Mm -hmm. if you're not passionate about it and you're not seeing the views, it's like super easy to get discouraged because it's just so much work that goes into doing this. I think it's just like with any other job or career, it has to be your passion. It has to be what you naturally would want to be doing. I actually like to edit videos. I like Mm -hmm. to do the behind the scenes techie stuff. If I hated that part of it, I would not be enjoying my job right now. So it's just like with anything else, you know, pick a field that feels right for you that you can be passionate about. Yeah, exactly. And don't just do YouTube because you think you'll get famous. Exactly. All right. So the next part of the interview is our best tips round. So I'm just going to ask you what your best tips are for these different things. And you just pop up what says in your mind. All right. Okay. So what is your best tip for starting a channel? I would say just go ahead and start. Don't stall. Don't say, oh, I need this fancy equipment first, or I need this first. Just start with whatever you have. And the first step is starting. That's all you have to do. What is your best tip for what not to do as a YouTuber? I would say it sounds kind of mean, but don't quit your day job. (laughs) 
just like me, I was in school. I was still working retail, like all the way until I graduated. So it's always nice to have a hobby or a side hustle. You never know what's going to happen with YouTube and you might get tired of it and feel like you need a break from social media. So always have something else going on the side. Totally. I totally agree. What is your best tip for growing a channel? Really just to be consistent. I feel like posting consistently, whether that's a couple times a week or once a week, can help so much because it lets people know that you're worth subscribing to because you're going to be giving new content every single week. If you kind of let your YouTube channel fall off for three months, you're not going to see that much growth. So just being consistent really helps. And what is your best tip to get noticed on YouTube? This is kind of a hard one, but I would just say try something new. And don't try to do the things that are already viral because that just means it's already been done. It's already been seen. Nobody is looking for that anymore. So try your best to be unique and do something new. Do something maybe a little bit that's out of your comfort zone and people will probably notice you and appreciate you for it. I think so. Definitely. And what is your best equipment tip? Equipment? I always tell people, don't worry about all the fancy lighting at first when you're trying to look at equipment that you can afford and stuff like that when you're first starting out. Just use natural lighting. If you can set up in front of a big window and film earlier in the day, natural lighting is the best. Yeah. It's hard to always get natural lighting. Yeah. And that's what I struggle with. And I have to use all these lights now because I'm like filming Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night when my daughter is asleep. But if you can film earlier in the day, natural lighting is really, really flattering. What is your best software tip? Well, I'm like I said, I'm an editing geek. I use Final Cut Pro. And Mm -hmm. the main thing I really like to do is download those outside plugins or like download new fonts and stuff just so that I can customize everything. And I can feel like I have different stuff in my video than everyone else has. (laughs) Because if you just use the generic fonts and stuff that are given to you on iMovie or Final Cut Pro, then you're just using the same batch of stuff that everybody else uses. But if you kind of go out and download extra stuff, then you can like feel special. And that's what I like to do. What are the plugins that you really love to use? I have a bunch. I had a scare yesterday where all of them got deleted and I had to (laughs) reinstall all of them, but I got them back. But I have different ones for like transitions. So instead of just like fading from the next scene to the next scene, I have like different wipes where it'll shoot across the screen and go up and go down and have different shapes Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I really like to use ones for text. So like I said, with all those different fonts and graphics where if you want to put your product name on the screen, there's a bunch of like really pretty like ways to do it that are not just like plain white text at the bottom. So I Mm -hmm. like to download like different fonts and graphics for that type of stuff. How do you research like which plugins like you what you want to use? Because there's so many out there. I do it like the most simple way. I literally type in what I'm looking for into Google. Like I'll be like Mm. pretty curly pretty font font. with white whatever. Like just literally type it out the most basic way and see what comes up. Like Google Mm. is your friend. That's what I always say. Totally. Do you think the investment from iMovie to Final Cut is worth it? Definitely. I love Final Cut. I love all the extra stuff that you're able to do with it. It's just a little bit more advanced, but you have to know what you're doing. You have to know how to use it. And it kind of takes a while to teach yourself. So if you're kind of a beginner and you just want to do the basics with your editing, I would say just stick to iMovie because it's simple and you'll get it done. But if you want to like learn a new program and get more into the tech side of it, then definitely get Final Cut Pro. Yeah, for sure. Okay, this is the last part of the interview and it's called the beauty bonus round. So the first question is, what are your three favorite holy grail, can't live without beauty products? Could be makeup, hair, skin. 
Oh, that's hard. I have to say right now, this spot treatment by Origins, I think it's called the super spot treatment. It works really well on like treating acne overnight. So I've been using that like crazy. And mm. then um, I use the Marc Jacobs foundation. It's like my favorite foundation. It's so addicting because the coverage is amazing. And I use the L'Oreal telescopic mascara, which I first heard about from Carly Bible. And mm-hmm. it's like my favorite mascara. I don't use anything else anymore. (laughs) Yeah. She's been using that one forever. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of touched on this, but I always ask like what you use to edit your camera, your sound, your lighting. So we already talked about editing. That's Final Cut Pro. Mm -hmm. What camera do you use or cameras? I have a Canon 70D that I use Mm -hmm. for all of my main videos, my beauty videos and stuff. And I'll either switch between just the kit lens that comes with it. So nothing fancy, or I have a 50 millimeter lens that can give you more of that beauty shot type of look for makeup Mm -hmm. tutorials and stuff. And then, yeah, I use Final Cut Pro. I also for lighting, I just, I keep it pretty simple. Now I have my ring lights, which I got off of Amazon. And then I also have two softbox lights on either side that I got off of Amazon. And mm-hmm. then I also try to use natural light on top of that if I can. So I try to be yeah. very well lit. I do also have a Sony vlogging camera. It's a little bit outdated. I need a new one. Honestly, it's the Sony NEX3, but it's nice. It's very small. It has that little flip up screen so you can see yourself Mm -hmm. when you're vlogging and stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much. What do you do for sound for your main camera and your vlogging camera? For sound for my Canon, I have the Rode mic that attaches Mm -hmm. on top. And what about the Sony? You just use what's there or what's in the camera. (laughs) For vlogging, I keep it pretty simple for vlogging. Because I have like the little, I don't even know what it's called, like the little mini tripod that I can't think of the name right now, but that you screw your vlog camera on so you can carry it and kind of mm-hmm. set it up as you go. But other than that, it's really hard to have good equipment when you're vlogging because you're on the go and you're out in public. Yeah. And you have a baby. <laughs> yeah. You're public. You have a baby in one arm and you're trying to, I mean, oh I can't have a microphone and stuff, but sometimes I wish that I could, I would get better mm-hmm. quality. But a lot of people, they don't really care about the quality of your vlogs. They just kind of see what you're doing. Yeah. Vlogging is a little bit different. You can get away with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. What would you not do again if you were to start your channel right now? I would not call it the Ray Baby Show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I would just stick to my name, Raven Elise, like I have it right now. I think that's that's the best bet because (laughs) any other crazy username is just going to be embarrassing later on down the road. Yeah, I've actually, you're not the first person to say that that's their biggest regret when they started. <laughs> so who would be your dream collaboration? Mm, I mentioned Carly Bible before. I love her. I also love Nicole Guerrero. Mm. I feel like we have a lot in common, like even just the fact that she's tall and I'm tall. I'm like everyone else. That How I tall are with, you? I'm like 5'10", 5'11". And I think... Oh, wow. She's like at least 5'8", if not taller. So Nicole Guerrero is? Mm-hmm. Wow. And now I'm like 5'1", so 5'10", 5'11". You're tall. <laughs> yeah. I, most people that I know are, are way shorter. So it's hard to yeah. find fellow tall girls who can have the same problems with finding jeans that are long enough and stuff. But I like her makeup style. I like her personality. She's very, very just like laid back. And I think that that's kind of my similar style. So I'd like to collab with her. I think she'd be really cool. I never met her before, but yeah. And she's like an OG. She's someone who's been doing it forever. Yeah. And that too, I feel like she kind of gets it, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you wish you did do when you first started? I guess I didn't know at the time, but just to be 
more proactive with it, less shy, mm-hmm. like don't procrastinate, not necessarily taking it more serious, but just saying like, make more videos, show more of your personality, touch on more topics. Because when I first started my channel, I was just like doing it so randomly that maybe two months would go by and I haven't even posted anything. Yeah. But I probably had plenty of ideas that I could have did. So I just wish I would have put more into it in the beginning. What is the biggest mistake you made in your YouTube career? Probably just procrastinating. I'm a really bad Mm -hmm. procrastinator. So there's been times like where I've had certain video ideas, but I just like never got around to doing it, period. Or I've waited until I had an idea that would be perfect for the summer, but now it's the winter. (laughs) Yeah, And I haven't done it yet. Or when I was doing my own emails, I would be really bad about like emailing certain people back in time. And they're like, oh, well, too bad. We already found someone else for this brand. Yeah. Oh, man. Procrastinating can really be a major problem with something like this that's so fast paced. Yes, that's true. I mean, you think of a video idea, you don't do it. And then you see, oh, man, now everybody is doing it. But I think the early bird gets the worm is probably very true in the YouTube world. Definitely. Like I have other <laughs> YouTuber friends who are like, they've been like, oh, I just came up with this idea. Let me go film it right now. Like they'll literally <laughs> just get up in that. Even if it's like the middle of the night, they're like, okay, I'm turning on all my lights. I need to do it right now so I can post it tomorrow because I'm not oh trying to be late with this. But me, I'm like, oh, I'll do it next week. It's no rush. I have other stuff to do. <laughs> What is the smartest decision you made in your YouTube career so far? Well, I mean, we talked about how I don't have a manager and I didn't sign to an MCN. I think that actually turned out to be pretty smart. Yeah, probably. But also I would say just like taking that step to open up and be transparent in my videos. I talk about a lot of personal stuff and insecurities and flaws that I have and stuff that I go through. And For some people that might be too uncomfortable for them to do or wouldn't seem like a good idea, but it has really been a very positive thing for me because I get all these messages and emails from my subscribers telling me how much I've genuinely helped them with a real life issue. So it's not just about teaching you how to do winged eyeliner or how to style a pair of jeans, but really helping you in life and showing you that you're not alone with the problems that you have. And I feel like that's what's been the most rewarding thing about even being a YouTuber. So I'm glad that I decided to open up. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. What is your favorite video or one that you've done that you're the most proud of? A lot of my favorite videos are my lookbook videos because those are the ones that I spend the most time on. It takes me all day. Those take forever. It takes me all day to film because I'm doing it by myself. So I'm like running behind the camera to set everything up (laughs) and then running to go put on the outfit and then running to go pose. So it's like a little bit hectic when I'm filming it and it does the raw footage really does not look good at all. (laughs) So I take a lot of time to edit it and just sync it to the music and finding the perfect song and putting a lot of like cool effects over it and stuff just to make it more interesting. So I'm not just like standing there trying on clothes. So I've done a couple of different themes with my lookbooks and it'll be stuff that I've like been editing for a week straight. So those are the ones that I'm like the most proud of. I have one where I'm, it's like I'm shopping in a virtual closet and I'm like, choose it's kind of like a clueless inspired where you choose Mm. the outfit and it just like magically appears on you. I like that one. Yeah. We can link, find that one and, and link it in the show notes too. And What is your favorite opportunity that you got as a result of being on YouTube? Well, I have one opportunity going on right now that I can't talk about. (laughs) So that one's been cool. But just like in general, just 
working with major brands, working with brands that I've been like Maybelline, CoverGirl, brands that are just like household names that my dad is even like, wow, you're working with that brand? I know that brand. Like Mm -hmm. that's been really cool. And then anything that where I've been able to travel and meet other influencers, like events that I've gone to in LA and stuff like that, where I've been able to meet either these YouTubers that I've watched for a long time and I look up to them and I probably would have never been able to meet them if it weren't for getting these opportunities to like go to these events and stuff. So that's been really cool. And then also just meeting other influencers that I've like become friends with that live in different states and stuff. I've actually made a lot of good friends through stuff like that too. When you've traveled to different events, have certain companies paid for you to go out there specifically? Yeah, there's been like a few times when you travel and everything, it's all expense paid and they're mm-hmm. paying you to be at the event and stuff like that. I've done a couple of things like that. I don't travel as much as I would like to, especially not now with a one, yeah. but I've done a few things here and there and that's always been like the most fun. I love to travel. Yeah, that's super cool, especially if someone else can put the bill. That's the best thing. <laughs> What is your superpower? Meaning, do you have like a talent or ability or something that you just don't have to work at? It comes naturally to you that you feel has contributed to your success. I mean, I guess I would say I'm just overall like a very creative person, anything creative or artistic. Mm. I've always been interested in and kind of good at. So ever since I was young, I've been in art classes and like I said, drawing, painting, fashion design, all the way up to editing and stuff and Mm -hmm. doing, I've gone to camps as a kid and learning how to do animation and stuff like that. So just anything creative, but I guess really, if I had to like pick a superpower out of that, I guess it's just that I'm kind of a fast learner and I'm Mm. pretty good at being like self-taught. So I can sit in front of my computer all day and teach myself how to do anything. I can Google it, watch a bunch of YouTube videos, just use trial and error and teach myself how to use Final Cut Pro, teach myself how to set up professional lighting, teach myself how to do whatever it is, make a dress, whatever it is. So I'm pretty good at just learning on my own from just being a visual learner, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a great superpower. It sounds like it based on your experience and everything. So I think that's awesome. So Raven, thank you so much for being on the show. That wraps up the interview. And why don't you tell everybody listening where they can find you if they want to check out you and your channel? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You guys can find me on YouTube at Raven Elise TV, youtube.com slash Raven Elise TV on Instagram at Raven Elise and also on Snapchat, which is my favorite at Raven Elise TV. Mm. Yeah. You have to check out her little videos with her little girl. (laughs) She's so cute. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So cute. She's how old is she? She's one. Yeah, she's one. Oh my gosh. So cute. And very sweet that the videos that you have between you and her. Those are my favorite to watch when I was checking out your channel. I was like, oh my God. So cute. Yeah, she's definitely a crowd favorite. Yeah. So, all right, Raven. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you enjoyed it and you got something out of it, help me get the podcast to the top 10 podcasts for business, for marketing, and leave a review on iTunes, share it in your YouTube videos, on your Instagram, tag me, and I will make sure to return the love as well. I love hearing how this podcast is affecting you, helping you with your YouTube channel, changing your life. I get emails and comments from that all the time. So keep them coming. And if you are looking 
looking to improve your YouTube channel, start your YouTube channel, make sure you sign up for the waitlist at ericavier.net for slash bootcamp for my next bootcamp, which is going to be happening in 2019. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next Thursday. Mwah.